That's the first thing is I have a playbook around process of an entire process around process mapping. That's a lost art. And so I spend more time about analyzing the processes and the, and the reasons why. Three, two, one, go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How to Scale an Agency. We're going to be focusing on all the ways in which your business can grow and scale online as a digital marketing agency. The digital marketing agency space has never been easier to get into. And on this podcast, we're going to help uncover all the tricks and tools of the trade that digital marketing agency owners are doing today to help them achieve the scale necessary to be wealthy, prosperous, and do good in the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Man, thanks for being on the show. Could you tell a little bit about what you're working on with uh, Drea and how you see um, Amazon, specifically like Amazon Marketplace, I think, or e-commerce in general, like some of the trends you're following and how you see yourself growing your company uh, within those channels or ecosystems? Yeah. So, you know, Drea is a digital asset. You know, we build retailers. We also manage retailers over at the other company, Asdale. Um, with Drea, we have a, a mission that we're on. Don't want to buy companies. Uh, that's not our style. Uh, we have an entire manufacturing companies, you know, over the world that we work with and our own own offices in China and stuff. So with Drea, the goal is to to really help society in a way. Uh, you work with us with your with some capital. We work with you with our capital and human capital, uh, and we go and build a product line, and then we share the profits. So it's a really uh, you know happy medium approach to to um, economics uh, and going from there. And it's just that simple. We've been doing that for years. Um, and just to kind of give you an idea on the Amazon side, it's a good question. I don't entirely know what you mean, so I'm gonna try and answer it. And if I'm wrong on what you, you asked, just tell me to do it again. Amazon is a pretty cool platform. If you would have asked me this question five years ago, I would have said it's the future. Today, I don't think Amazon is the future. They're for sure gonna be around for a very long time. That's besides the point, but they've set the standard for what a marketplace should look like, what it should act like, how it should be. Uh, and they know that. And so they've started to focus on different things like logistics, shipping companies, you know, they have their own airplanes now from Boeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's only a matter of time. And so there are, there are essentially 25 marketplaces that we've identified worldwide uh, that are just like Amazon that we're focused on, on top of Amazon. And that's the, probably the main trend that I see going on right now a lot of people are not doing that. They're now believing in Amazon instead of these other marketplaces that also exist that have, you know, that will be around and they'll be just as rich. Right. That's very interesting. So we, we have a lot of uh, digital marketing agency owners that listen to this show. And I'm curious, like when we first started working together back in the day, you know, you guys were providing services, marketing services or uh, to uh, companies. Do you guys still do that then? Or what, what percentage of your total revenue is marketing services focused? Zero. I, I tried to, you know, we, we zero. So we do it for ourselves. Um, this year, next, next year will be, will be, um, we'll, we'll take a pause on outside customers and we'll only work with our internal processes, internal teams. Uh, and then 2023, we'll resume back to the market. And uh, I think the the biggest thing about, about digital marketing right now is that it is so, it's moving pretty fast and we're using some of the same tactics. And we, we talked about this last week. And so this next year, our goal is to really purify and update our playbooks 
And I don't think companies do that a lot. Um, right. And what better way than put your money where your mouth is than on your own, on your, on your own stuff, right? Which right. That's what we're going to do this year. But, uh, okay, so walk us through that transition uh, from doing services, marketing services for people, and then transitioning to a mainly software-focused business. And I ask this because a lot of the um, people that listen to the show, a good amount, are interested in launching their own software products as an offshoot of their agency or transitioning from an agency to a software company. So how does that work? Yeah. So in 2017 to 2019, we did uh, marketing services and only really, you know, management and marketing services. And that was really fun. I think that was possibly the easiest and most beneficial and most fulfilling part of the journey so far. Um, when we made the transition at Purely Tech, that started in 2019, and we did a hybrid between 2019 and 2020. Um, we did a hybrid between services and, and, and technology. When we made the transition, I think one of the things we messed up on is what I call TNR, transition and rollout. We didn't have an adequate amount of checklists, an adequate amount of things, KPIs, key performance indicators that we wanted to see from our, our technology. And that actually made us fail. And so that's probably the biggest thing is getting your checklist right. Now being just purely, you know, um, going back to just in-house doing, you know, services for our own selves and also tech and, you know, for our own self. I'm not sure how it's going to look like, but I, I know we've been doing it for years, so we'll find out. Right. And what was your guys, when you did that transition, just because people probably want to know what a good time is to launch a software product and transition away from services, what was your guys' peak revenue before transitioning to a software-focused business? Yeah, you de definitely want to hit seven figures. Um, you know, um, I don't know the exact figures, but we we will not make a transition part of the TNR. I mean, it's different for everybody because you can make a transition if you're at three hundred thousand dollars in revenue, um, and it's an apples to apples com com comparison, but essentially, if if you make the transition, it should empower something to move faster, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the key processes, your key systems. For us, we needed to see you know a good a good seven figures at base before we could fully transition into a tech system, and then in order to transition back into a hybrid, we also needed to see a full you know seven figures from one model, not not a couple one model of services by itself, I mean, you know, that's not hard to do. Uh, when you're yeah. you Are you transitioning the clients that you had previously into buyers of the software then? Some of them want to be, uh, some of them want to be, we, th there's a little bit of grandfathered in on the, on the software clients, on the service clients to either we up the prices and you got to go, uh, or you can stay or you got to go on the software side. You know, if you've been with us, we have some clients that have been with us in the same one. Uh, and they're grandfathered in. I am um, a big fan of letting clients stay with you. I'm also a big fan of, you know, making sure you know where your direction's at. So if the clients are not okay with that direction, it's almost detrimental to keep them. Right. Yeah. So, so for the, you, you don't need to name the specific names of the companies that are, have transitioned over if you don't want to, but if for some context, like what your biggest company that has transitioned over to the software side of things like what does that look like working with them what what kind of needs are you servicing for them with the software financially what you want to give you know they're, they're probably they're definitely yeah. over you know uh, eight figures for well, sure just like service like what, what what solution are you solving with the software for these kind of businesses that transition to yeah that, that's a really good question now nowadays what we're looking at is digital commerce and i, I want to make this clear the market's moving so fast that we'll probably see a lot of people do the exact same thing and so I don't like to say the software is incredibly unique because it, it won't be uh, as time as quantum computing increases, it won't be people catch up. 
The first thing is that you have a lot of uh, decentralized processes going on and you need a hub. You need a hub to organize all of that. The second thing is you have this, you know, world, world of data without any right. metrics measuring exactly what's happening and triggering your results. And that's what the platform does. The third thing is that you have immense amount of teams. And so you, you need a platform to organize the teams for predictive analytics, suggest what to do, what to do next, why and how, how to solve it, and what gaps the software can't solve, because you always need to get yeah. input. You do. And that's what the platform does. Right. And, and you showed me um, your map and ecosystem of all the different things you're working on and what this will eventually be or is currently. How do you come up with ideas for software products? I mean, that's one thing that yeah. is a benefit, I think, of having an agency or some sort of service businesses that you can see the problems right in front of you every single day and then experiment on your clients, essentially, with solving those problems. So how did you come up with the ideas that you have and how do you go about iterating on them and creating products? Yeah, I, I do have a playbook. I should really share that sometime with you on stuff. but. The first thing is you need a process team. A lot of people aren't big fans of process mapping, yeah. but you can never ever figure out what you can automate and where the gaps are. And the creativity really comes from that. That's the first thing is I have a playbook around process, have an entire process around process mapping. That's a lost art. And so I spend more time around analyzing the processes and, and the reasons why. Then, um, you know, ecosystems are huge. I, I encourage the world to look into ecosystems. I'm a big fan of innovative ecosystems and, and the models behind them. I use that as a, a way to brainstorm what components to put in uh, to a system just by looking at different ecosystems. And, and, and it's a whole, you have to study innovative ecosystems to know that, but it's not hard to study. Uh, and that allows, you know, it's pretty straightforward to build software once you know those two sides. You know the processes that exist, you know why they exist. You know, the outside yeah. forces, innovative ecosystems, and you know how to, you know, you know, if you put this process here with this, with this component, it's going to quadruple your outputs. And, and it's, it seems, it's not a sexy, man. It's not a sexy process, but it takes time, um, yeah. hours, long hours, but it's, uh, if you do it, anyone can do it. Right. And the other question a lot of people have when it comes to transitioning to a software product from a marketing services company is how their team is going to transition with them. Did you have any issues transitioning the team to this kind of an outlook or were they on this same page since day one? You know, I'm sure there, there are, I don't know. I'll have to ask the team that question. I don't want to speak for the, for the behalf. <laughs> but no one but, left is what I'm saying. Like everyone still stayed on the team. Oh, no, our attention is great. Yeah, and yeah, no, our attention is great. The, 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 right. the thing, though, about, about, about companies nowadays is we live in an era where we're, it's all about me, 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 right? Some might define yeah. that as narcissistic, whatever. That's what we're programmed to think. And so, like, what I like to say is that our job, you know, over at Project Grit is to get people to the next level. And that next level might be right before we release our next solution or, or you know, part three or four, and they might want to go work somewhere else. And that's not really our job. Our job is to just, you know, or sorry, that's not really to, to stop them. It's not our job. And so for me, my goal is to figure out what people want and then say, hey, this is where we're going. Can you help me? And if they both align, awesome. If they don't, let's do an exit interview. Let's get you somewhere where you want to be. Let's give you a great referral and let's help each other help, you know, one another get to the next level. For right. example, my co-founder, Easton, he wants to coach baseball at the pro level, MLB level. And uh, for years, he's wanted that. We met in college at baseball, and um, he'll, he'll definitely reach that goal someday. I think he'll probably lead the MLB in the future. 
but he works here and he works there. I want to, you know, build ecosystems that scale international places and not work here and I do that somewhere else. So you get capital, you know. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how to answer that question, I guess. I want to stop. <laughs> Sounds like a good answer to me, to be honest. I think it was pretty yeah. helpful to people. Um, so I guess maybe share with me a little bit about what what is the average customer who works with you guys today pay you guys on like a monthly basis to work within your solutions, like your tech solutions? Yeah, so we're looking at about, you know, anywhere from 3,500 to, a, you know, upwards of about, you know, 8,500 uh, a month between uh, an average customer. Yeah. Uh, do things a little bit different. I'm a big fan of quarterly payments and annual payments. I don't believe in, um, I do believe in month to month for software subscriptions, but when there's a process embedded in the, in the, in the software uh, and you're not the one managing the software and the process for the end user, you're really selling a license, in my opinion. And that's just right. my personal opinion, no factual research behind that. And so I like annual contracts and uh, I do have a finance process around that. So if people can't afford the full upfront payment and they want to, because they get a discount, I'll help them right. with the, some of our backend teams. That's how we do it. I like that. And um, so, so you guys kind of have like a mix, it's almost like a software and a service right now. It's a mixed process. Yeah, we have three, three processes essentially. We have a software, we have a service, we have a software and service. And then within the software itself, just the software, you can manage it on your own, obviously. Within the service, you, you know, you can use the software, but we'll use the software for you if you need to. Uh, right. And then within the software and service, it's a full inclusive solution. And then we have a completely done for you product, you know, process where we're doing everything, not just, you know, it's a software service, it's processes, a strategy, it's, you know, fully outsourced. I love it. And and what, how many paying customers do you guys have to date, like today, uh, this month, I guess? Yeah. On on which which one? On all of them? Yeah, I guess just your main your main offer, your main product. I guess all of them inclusive. Project Grid. Project Grid, all the arms, you know, all the platform, all the stuff. Oh man, um, class one of Drea has about twenty some customers. We'll get up to 150. Some of our software tools have, you know, about 100, 100 people on, on one of them or so. And we're getting rid of ops. So I want to get rid of them. And that's why I say zero marketing customers. So I'm going to exclude that. A couple hundred yeah. by, by, quarter, by end of quarter two or quarter one this year, we'll, we'll be at a few hundred. I don't know. Um, I think next year the goal is close to 500. Um, I'd right. have to, you know, that's a close amount, yeah. But you, so you guys are doing about like uh, four to five million dollars a year then in revenue. More than that, we'll uh, we'll we'll exceed thirty million dollars next year. We'll walk into next year uh, at a uh, annual run rate at a minimum of seven million dollars. We'll end quarter one without even doing anything because the pipeline's pretty pretty fat. Um, yeah. Within growing into about fifteen mil. Um, so I we're uh, self self. Uh, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> Well, how does the how did the uh, the fun, the acquisition process go? Because you mentioned that you guys purchased a company. Um, how does that bake into your revenue? I mean, I just interviewed a guy. Uh, his name's uh, Scott Scully. The company's called Abstract Management. They were doing uh, about thirty million dollars previously. They bought a company for nineteen million dollars, and now their overall revenue is fifty nine million dollars a year. And they said that the one of the ways they uh, were able to uh, get to those numbers was because of the acquisition, right? That's the total combined revenue of both companies. So I'm curious, like, do you guys, what was the acquisition process like? And is how much of a contributing factor is that to like the total size of the company today? Yeah, so I, I don't, 
I try not to do what Amazon does. It's what everyone does. Where I call it the 98 degree. I call it the opposite of the 98 degree plot twist where they go around and they, they buy companies to generate revenue. That's a really good strategy. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I just don't personally do it that way. And so if we look, if we're looking at a company, the last thing we give a crap about is the revenue. To me, it doesn't exist. You know, it, it's a good strategy. Again, if you want to get rich, it's a great strategy. Our strategy is around innovation. So when we look at companies, uh, you know, we're not looking at what revenue it's going to add to our, our, our bottom dollar. We're looking at this, the, the speed, the quantum right. speed that we're going to get from that. And then we're looking at the authentic, you know, side of it. Is it, is it patentable? Can we even patent what they have? Yeah. Is there some special sauce that we can also multiply in, in other areas? And, uh, you know, I have a, a separate company that, um, that, I, that I'm building. It's called ANA, and it's, I think it's like nine or so people inside of it, and we're process strategists. And so yeah. I built that team, and I'm still building it up and training them to basically help me when we go around and identify it. Because if you look at Moneyball, what they did is really fascinating. I'm surprised corporate America hasn't cracked this code. They went around finding assets that were a fraction of the price, and it made them way more money than ever before. Essentially, we're taking that same concept. Just um, we, we do it in a, a unique way and we're, we're looking at we're looking for some some sauce, right? Some sauce. I love and that. uh, that's our process, man. Now, now when we <laughs> did that with this, uh, this new company, whew, that that's why we're going to go from this. Yeah. To the next run rate and we're going to go to 15 on accident. Now, the yeah. question is, the Lord said, if you do, I can do more for you. And so that's what we're going to go do. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I love that. Your bargain, your bargain hunting is that's perfect. And would you say with the, like, I guess, because a lot of people have thought about buying uh, a software business or some kind of business. Uh, we've thought about that too. How did that work out? I mean, did you guys have to either, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily need to know the amount, but did you guys have to either raise money, do some sort of personal financing or just pull it all from your cash balance from the company? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of creative ways to structure a deal. My company, we're going to go and do an IPO. And we have a stellar process around around that. And so it's, you know, factual. We have a lawyer with it and actually a team of lawyers around it. And so we're able to go and, and, and leverage our stock, our shares. That's that's the combination of the deal. That's the first thing. There's always some cash involved, whether it's seller-based financing or a down payment, um, et cetera. Or, you know, maybe it says, you know, hey, we, when we have a, embed this process to our company or you into our company, that's going to go make us $5 million more. As soon as we do that, help us, you'll get the, you'll get two of that five. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a couple different ways. Um, my personal favorite, if we're being honest, is seller-based financing. Um, I don't like giving out stock. I will give out stock. Most people want stock. Uh, most people also want a, you know, upfront payment. They either want stock and an upfront payment or they, uh, they, they don't like paid over time. So that, you know, kind of gets me into a lot of conversations, but. I was going to say, because yeah, if you, that's one thing. Question too. Yeah, I just, I just did a, a video that's going to be coming out this week on agency valuations. And um, I work with a company called Barney as well, just sending them people all the time who are selling and things like that. Uh, what do you guys typically do to like convince them to join the cause or work with you guys? If they don't want to join, you know, they, they, it, it's, it's, hey, why don't, why don't you want to join? And if we can't, you know, solve that why, we got to move on. Right. And so we're, I do not convince people. That's not my job. My job is to yeah. figure out, can I help them and can I meet their needs? Is this going to be a fruitful partnership? And that's it. We, we, you know, that is it. There's nothing. And I call that I2P influence the partnership. 
and and that's a playbook that we build as well. You know, I'm I'm a weird guy, man. I, I don't just I don't believe in this whole force him and listen to do it. If you have the influence, there's a partnership, figure it out. If you can't, it won't work. Right. And so, you know, that's it. That's awesome, man. And and uh I mean one of my last questions before we go into like the, the final round of just uh rapid fire questions here is um what do you you guys seem to have grown quite a bit uh since like 2019 because uh, i remember when we were talking in 2019 um uh i, I kind of knew where you guys were revenue wise i don't need to disclose that but it seems like it's been growing quite fast i mean it sounds like 200 300 percent since 2019 um what was that like can you just give me like a, a story i guess a short story of what happened um to cause you guys to grow that quickly i was planned um so a lot of companies Everyone's money hungry, man. I, I, I always, and this topic, I get a little frustrated because everyone's always like, wow, you guys are growing so fast. And not, not you, I'm not saying you are, but it's, it's, a, it's a funny <laughs> statement because uh, between 2017 and 2019, we only took on a certain amount of customers. We only focused on a certain amount of things on purpose. We then had a hypothesis that we needed to crack to tell us to go this way or that way, or if we could do both this way. And then, you know, none of that happened. We had an alternative route that we would go, which ironically is where we're going. And that's, you know, let's call that, you know, a byway effect. That's what I call a byway effect. And um, it's amazing what you can do when you spend a lot of money in market research, a lot of money in subject matter experts. And that's what we did. Uh, That's all we did. And we had measurements lined up and we just had to sit around and, and, and close deals and figure out what happens next. And test some strategies with managing and marketing and software. And then um, when 2020 hit, I got pissed off. I said, wow, you know what? We, we got three more months left on this measurement goal. This is really gonna, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. And um, you know, that was uh, March of, uh, of last year. And then, um, you know, that allowed us to, to really put together our growth goals. And then I uh, got to the end of last year. And then um, that's when it started to kick up between um, October of last year and. Uh, you know, this summer, and it's really catapulted our company. So for me, it was planned. Uh, even our Instagram yeah. marketing is planned. We we have a, you know, we cracked that a while ago, but so I don't know how to answer that. I, I feel like it's kind of boring because yeah. I don't get any of it. It goes to our company and our, our team. Right. Um, and I don't really want it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you had to acquire those customers from somewhere. So did those people come mainly from word of mouth or did you find a channel that worked and, and just crack that channel? Yeah, no, that's part of the plan. So we have profile, customer profile extremes, and then we have segmented uh, customer extremes or, you know, pro, or customer profiles and extremes within those profiles. And then, you know, some of them sit on Instagram, some of them sit on Snapchat, some of them sit on the newspapers, right? Believe right. it or not, it's a lot of money in the newspaper. Some of them sit on <laughs> yeah. digital, digital websites via Xander. Right. And so ESPN.com. And so we, we had outlets and we have different playbooks drawn up to, you know, attract a certain type of customer that we're, we're trying to get. And we have some playbooks that uh, some customers that we can't get because the playbooks are not fully built out just yet. And that's part of our, our, our multiple you know, solutions in, in, down the road. And so I, I, I can't say where they came from because they're just people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, they came from the world. <laughs> I love it. And um, yeah, I know it sounds like uh 2020 you guys definitely received a bit of a boost from the pandemic i mean amazon like blew up so uh, oh no pandemic <laughs> was so bad oh really? Oh my god yeah <laughs> it was bad i just wow um, we did we did okay don't get me yeah. wrong but 
it didn't make any sense to me why we didn't get the boost we should have. We really got the boost between um, October of 2020 and March yeah. of this year. Same. And then, yeah. And yeah, right? And that made sense though, because the environmental effects in the mind, okay, it's safe to go outside now. I can warm up to go outside now, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then in the summer, we hit it hard, man. We wasted no time in case there was no shut, another shutdown. And we were traveling like crazy. I love that. Like crazy. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, it sounds like I remember, I, I always remember um, you at Silicon Valley Startup Grind doing deals in the Starbucks. I remember seeing you there. So it seems like you like to close a lot of deals in person, it sounds like, um, which is cool. Yeah, which is it, cool. Old school. Way old, better. Shake <laughs> someone's hand. Why not? Right? Spend two hundred dollars on a flight to a thousand dollars to get a customer who's going to pay you forty thousand. Come on, you know I never really thought about it like that. I think I'm going to start doing that because uh, the the cost to acquire a customer makes sense when you uh, when you bake in those flights. I don't I don't understand people. We're so selfish. Get on my Zoom link. Nah, yeah. hey, I'm going to try and make my way over to, to Seattle in two weeks. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. That actually is pretty sick. That's a good idea. I never really thought about that. But let's wrap it up here. Uh, we usually just do rapid fire five questions here at the end that just help benchmark for everybody else. How, how old are you? 47. 37, right? Or 27. 27. Yeah, I was like 47. You I heard 47. That might give me some more, uh, some more deals. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> I thought you were my age. And then how long has the agency been around? Uh, since technically since college, 2015. Got it. Okay, six years. What's the goal? I mean, do you do you ever plan to sell this, or do you want to just basically own it forever and IPO it and become the next like trillion dollar company? Or what's the idea? Um, the goal is to provide jobs. That's the, the number one goal is to provide jobs. Um, and it's for financially, probably won't sell for a while. We will try yeah. and go for an IPO for sure, and the dividend profit distribution before that. And that's it. That's our, you know, jobs, dividend, profit distribution, and IPO. So. I love it. And if someone were to give you a massive check, like enormous amount of money, how much would you theoretically sell the, the company for today? Like if someone just, if Jeff Bezos came out of the woodworks and said, here's your money, what would it have to be? Like how big would it have to be to sell? Probably wouldn't do it right now. There's just not enough money Even with Jeff Bezos? Even, even Jeff Bezos came out of the woodworks? He, he wouldn't hand you a billion dollars? Yeah, he wouldn't I mean, take it? A trillion dollars, or a billion dollars? <laughs> a billion. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'll do with a billion dollars, but if he said to me, "Here's," I'd rather take a check for a half, you know, half billion dollars, and a roadmap for my next platform and a lot of connections over a check for two billion dollars. Um, right. And so right now, this allows us to meet an immense amount of people, and I can't do that with a check. You know, I, that's the reason why. Yeah. I love that thinking. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. This is going to be great. I'm sure a lot of people who are agency owners who are thinking about launching software products uh, or have a mixed software and services product are going to enjoy this interview. Is there any way that you know people listening to this, agency owners listening to this, can help you out, help you guys scale or get in touch with you? Yeah. If you guys find people who want to buy one of our Drea solutions, um, we sell for $60,000 a pop. We do have financing for people who can't afford that up front. Uh, it's a partner product line, so you guys see the fancy term automation. We we do you know partner retail, but we do offline too. We don't just do online. Um, we pay you guys pretty good. We pay you five thousand dollars per referral uh, if they close, and um, that's the best way. So if you're looking to boost your pockets, we've already paid out you know like thirty some thousand dollars one person, etc. 
We have a network of, of people who do it and they make some good money. That'd be the number one way. And if you are um, an owner who's looking to um, partner with another agency to figure out cool strategies, we're always down for partnerships. I love that. And actually I'll slip in here one final question. How do you guys do that up from financing? We actually use something called Ease. I don't know if you guys use that too, but do you guys have a solution or is it like a, a private, you're not gonna disclose it? Yeah, we, we have a team out of Chicago that we work with. And you know, you have to be a qualified individual. It's the first way. Yeah. The second way is we purchased um, credit lines, um, and then we you still have to be a qualified individual that way. It's just our money going first into that, and it's a bigger check up front. So right, yeah. right, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, everybody listening, feel free to reach out to Darren uh, anytime or or Prince, I guess, it, whatever you want me to call you, either one, <laughs> reach out to my, him. My, my formal self, so it's all good. <laughs> reach out uh, to him. Uh, if you guys have anybody interested in the Drea Solutions, uh, his company and the Grit umbrella is doing over $5 million per year at the moment on track for $15 million next year. We're rooting for you, man. Thank you so much for being on the show.